What is up? What is good? How you living? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and I am here with Mr. David Ingber. What's going on, uh, Lef? It is... I'm good, bro. We're finishing up May. I can't believe it. We're going to hear in a little bit from Malik Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, talk to him about, do you expect the, the world of the NFL to be so family-friendly when we all go back? We talked about, were you nervous when the team signed Javon Hargrave? And we also gave some book reviews uh, and recommendations. That's coming up in a little bit. Uh, but I think we had a, a cool moment happen this weekend, man. Did you did you get a chance to sit down and watch the match and uh, all the craziness that it was for that event to happen during this coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, as you know, I just I'm so excited that live sports of some kind was on television. And I'm staying with my in-laws here in D.C. And they are like golf nuts. Like they actually watch golf pretty close to every weekend. So they were like, oh, we're going to have this yeah. on. So they were so excited that I was like working for a company that was putting it on in some way. And they just they, you know, it was kind of like. It was it was exciting. Like, hey, I had a part of that and making this broadcast, and I, you know, I work with Lefko, and he did the pre-show and all that stuff. So that 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 in and of itself was a good enough cool thing. It's funny because I've been at Bleacher Report long enough now, and I've seen so many different iterations of the app that now, in the last few months, during a quarantine and a coronavirus, to be able to do the NFL draft live in the app and then the match pregame show, and like to get sent videos of like you know, Mahomes' girlfriend, like, recording the TV, and that means that they're watching on the app, on the TV, and, like, getting Mahomes on the show. Like, the evolution of it's very, very wild. Like, it's it's kind of crazy to be a part of. Um, and at the same time, I could see the show that we did, like, that BR betting show, doing that for a lot of sporting events. Totally. Like I, and, and, like, real, like, real, real ones. Like, the match is amazing, and it's an incredible event, but, like, if it's a big NBA game or an NFL game, and maybe it's real prop bets, I, I could see that having fun. But I was curious, what was it like for you? This is your first real moment where you're not actively rooting for Brady. Like, <laughs> like what was your emotional tie to him? Like, it, were you excited he was failing early? Uh, well, I think... A little bit. So I'm I'm never going to hate Brady. I'm like, I'm never going to like root against him. If he wins a Super Bowl this year or if he gets to the playoffs, I'm going to be rooting for him in the NFC bracket. Like the only time I would root against Tom Brady is if he was playing against the, the Patriots, Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like, and I feel like that's fair. He's brought me so much joy over the last two decades. Nice. Um, but just as like a human being and seeing him not on the football field, it's so fun to remind yourself that these guys are not world-class perfect at every single thing that they do. And I think we all have that element that like, it's, it's fun to see a politician just like, you know, spill a coffee on themselves. It's fun to see uh, a great athlete, a like poop on a news set, <laughs> but a just dog like, that was known for being the yeah. greatest dog in the world. Oh yeah, You know, yes. or that would be like a dog at the Westminster dog show yes. in the middle of it being like, you're just like my dog. You can't hold it in. Exactly. You get like, if you're, you know, the, some like local news show and you've got, we've got the champion best in show dog. And then the dog comes in and like, <laughs> just starts like going crazy for sausages and like poops on the desk. You're like, yes, it's still a dog at heart, you know? <laughs> and that's what it felt like watching uh, Tom Brady shank a few into the forest. It's the second match in a row where a lot of the golfers were tight uh, the first match, Tiger and Phil were. For me, I thought it was an amazing event. One, Tiger was fairway the entire time. And I think when you're watching, or if you're playing in a foursome, 
you need one guy to be good the entire time mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get held up. And that's what Tiger was. He was like the pace setter that said, here is the broadcast, set it to my strokes because that's how we're going to get there. Peyton and Phil were the, in my opinion, perfect middle. Like they can talk for two minutes in a row about PG, very family friendly conversations. Their trash talk, it's going to be there. When Phil starts making a comeback, he's going, here we go. Here we go. Like they were, they were perfect. They weren't too much. And then Brady was the spectacle because we have seen Peyton do interviews. We have seen Phil and Tiger now for two decades being interviewed all the time. But Tom, it's always been short. And for him not to talk, it really did remind me of the Falcons Super Bowl, mm -hmm. where for the first half it was this guy is human. He's retiring. It's all over. That's it. And then he came back and with that one shot from 150 out, cupping it and then getting on the microphone and saying, suck on that, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have to hit a shot the rest of the day, but it was the perfect mix of Barkley coming in over the top and being like, hey, Tiger, hey, what you going to do here, man? Like, then you have Justin Thomas calling him a fat ass. And then, you know, I thought Brian Anderson was great. I just, it was... I didn't have any issues the entire time. Like even them looking for their balls in the first hole. I was like, perfect. I love this. I, I really did like it from top to bottom. Yeah. It was uh Peyton had to take a drop because it like went two feet into some crazy cactus looking thing. And Brady had to take a drop because it landed in like the most gigantic alligator puddle I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just like, Oh, right. These are just dudes on a golf course. This looks very much like me and my buddies at my bachelor party. A thousand percent. So the question everyone else is asking right now, match number three, mm. who's it going to be? I think we now get to the point where we can all admit if you're having golf on TV, Tiger being there takes it from a good event to a must watch. Yeah. So that's why the whole Tiger Phil dynamic has been perfect where, you know, Phil's going to have the trash talk and play really well because his game is going to age beautifully over time, accurate, all that stuff and Tiger, and they sort of shepherd in the other two. Now, the second one, it was football. And I'm curious, have you thought at all about some people you'd like to see? I have a little bit of a list, but I'm curious. It has to be upper, upper, upper tier guys. Yeah. Because you don't go from Peyton and, and Tom to like middle of the road NBA guys. You can't be like, all right, Paul George and DeMar DeRozan next year. You'd be like, wait a minute. No. Not going to happen. Right. So what have any of the names caught your eye? What do you think? That's a great question. Um, I think I want to see Mike Trout out there because we all saw that viral video of him at Top Golf just like blasting a golf shot into orbit. That is one of mine. Um, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper yeah. is an interesting combination. And you got another lefty out I there. Love, I didn't even think about that. But what I love about it is Woods and Mickelson for a long time were in stark competition. Same thing with Brady and Manning. And I think it adds to the storyline, building it up. Trout and Harper have had that race for a long time, and both have a handicap less than 10. So it would be good TV. I just don't know if I'd make it number one. Who else you got? I wouldn't be doing my duty as a Boston fan, by the way, to say that like Trout and Harper are the two. It should be Trout and Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is apparently like an incredible golfer. But, but that doesn't... But see, like that's... I went through the best athletes that are golfers, and I don't think Mookie Betts is big enough to come after Tom Brady and Peyton. I just don't. I think That's he's, fair. I don't. I think I'm just saying I would be derelict more... in my duty as a Red Sox fan gotcha. to not mention that. 
Well, then let me do you one better. Okay. Here's one that I think could work. Derek Jeter and Pedro Martinez. Mm. You get a lot of comedy out of Pedro Martinez. Derek Jeter gives you the Tom Brady factor where we really haven't seen him fail. I think him and Brady have a very similar sort of rise and an aura to very, them. Very cultivated I, personality in the public, yeah. And it also gives you that Yankees-Red Sox. I was also thinking maybe it could be Jeter and A-Rod, but like I'm not as interested in A-Rod. When I saw him on the broadcast, I was like, oh, they're going to bring this guy in. He could be next. But for me, I think the one I would enjoy the most because I'm waiting at one point for for Phil to be like, hey, hey, Pedro, who's your daddy now? So I think I think Pedro and Jeter could be a good one. Now, in addition to thinking about the athletes, have you thought about the format potentially? Because obviously from year one to year two is a vastly different format. So maybe they'll experiment with a different format. And let me just throw this one at you. Okay. Three athletes. Let's say it's Pedro, Derek Jeter, and Mike Trout, right? The three of them playing best ball against Tiger Woods. Hmm. Would that be interesting I, to you? My problem is, is from a, a if I was producing, mm. I need someone else with Tiger because what I'm noticing is people are intimidated to talk trash to him. No one does that ever, and he doesn't do it. So I need the more mouthier of the two. That's why Peyton with Tiger made so much sense. I need a very talkative person to represent Team Tiger. If it's just him. Okay, that's fair. It's just you're. For me, you're going to get four hours of people going, he's unflinching. He Look at him. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, so I need that. So let me go through a few of, them, of my other guys and you tell me what you want. So I think Bryce Harper and Mike Trout could be a possible option for match three. I think Derek Jeter and Pedro Martinez could be a possible option for the match three. And the Pedro comedy can't be understated. He is so funny. And I'm sure that he's just out there and would not be shying away from talking trash to anyone at any level. At any level. Roger Clemens and Mike Piazza. And I think Clemens would have to take on that role, but I, I don't know if they're big enough at this point. I yeah. really don't. So my number one that I don't think it's going to happen is really Michael Jordan and anybody. Okay. After watching the last dance, I want to see Michael Jordan out there. My number one would be Isaiah Thomas. I mean, if we're playing this rivalry thing, mm-hmm. that's must watch TV. The, the stares, the looks, the meme ability of Michael would be incredible. Charles Barkley would be my number two with Michael, but the problem is, is that would take too long. So then I go, do we change the format? Okay. Is it Jordan and Pippen against Tiger and Phil? And, but I, and you know, there's some weird stuff there, but Jordan's my number one because after all of this and he's played with Tiger, I want to see that. But the one that I think it's going to happen is the guy that tweeted after the match. It's Steph Curry. Mm. And then, so I started to think, okay, you're right. They went NFL and Steph is that big of a name. And he's a scratch golfer. Incredible golfer. Top. We watched him at, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. First guy I thought about was his dad, Del Curry. They bet each other all the time. They were competing at Tahoe. But I don't think Dell is enough. And I don't think the storylines are good enough. Then I thought about, well, what if they do cross sports and it's Steph and Tony Romo? Steph, Tony Romo, Tiger, and Phil is a really cool foursome. You know that Tony can do a lot of talking and... Steph and Tony are phenomenal golfers, and, and he's a big enough name. But the one that I settled in on is Chris Paul. Okay. I, I don't know much about his golf Matt, game. I believe that he uh, – I believe that his handicap is under 10. I believe that him and Steph Curry are both sponsored by State Farm, and anytime you have that, that could be a huge boon for sure. production. 
but also Steph and Chris Paul have a sneaky, really good rivalry. There are a few clips online of Steph breaking Chris's ankles and Chris dicing up Steph Mm -hmm. that people go to all the time. And it's been a nice, fiery rivalry. And I do think that the combination of the two could bring it to the next level. So that's the one that I'm thinking is the most likely for the match three. Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Tiger, and Phil. But I... I'm not against Steph and Tony Romo because I think that might be the most enjoyable four hours, but we'll see. I don't know. What do you think of the options? I like what you're I like where you're going with it. I like that you're also getting a little more youthful with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper that we we now saw the Peyton Tom who are like in their forties and like they're appealing to a certain golf demo. And like let's try it out now with some guys that really appeal to like 13, 14 year olds right now. You know, like Steph Curry is probably the number one favorite athlete among teenagers. He's got to be up there, right? right? So maybe they would be and he's a worldwide figure. Yeah, and it would just feel different out there with like Tiger and Phil who are like so intrigued as titans of the game of golf with this kind of like upcoming generation maybe they got like a different vibe they 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 act in a different way on the on the golf course yes and i think you have to people need to realize like anything in life we focus on the things that are either really really great or really really bad if it's a middle of the road event like it was the golf event the week before with rory mcelroy and justin uh, uh dustin johnson yeah if Which again, my in-laws golfers, were watching the whole thing, of course. And I love, and I enjoyed it the entire time. And I love, Dustin Johnson's one of my favorite athletes. It was still just golf. But Tiger being there means you've already checked off the greatness. Yep. So you don't have to worry about that. What Brady gave us was the awful. And that's what I think people need to realize about the event. It's not just about watching good golf. Brady crashing and burning for six holes <laughs> is better content sometimes than somebody birdieing six holes. It just is. It's it's more fun. It's more enjoyable. And Barkley took it over the top. But I think you, you can't lose that aspect of it's okay if it's awful for a little bit. Yeah, and it's it, it would be okay. It would be amazing if someone was birdieing every single hole, right? If Brady went on a run and got five birdies in a row, that would be incredible television. Or if he got five triple bogeys in a row. That's also incredible television. And you just expect that these guys are going to stay in the range and get, you know, kind of a couple pars, a couple of bogeys, maybe a birdie here and there. But when someone's unexpectedly great or unexpectedly awful, that's when great content comes about. Unfortunately, again, thinking like a producer here. And thinking like a producer, I think the thing that I liked it, it kind of was like a three or four hour running radio show Mm. where, Hey, let's take a call from JJ Watt. Let's (laughs) take a call from Russell Wilson. But the thing that I like about it is it almost becomes those reaction videos where Russell Wilson's going, okay, I'm going to donate 100,000 meals closest to the pin. And then you get Russell watching the shots and being like, man, what a shot by Tiger. And it's and I, I thought that way of, of creating an event like that was great. And the other big takeaway, and I've said this on a few other podcasts that I did on Tuesday, for me, it's further proof that when the NBA comes back, whether that's end of July, August, however it works, Whenever the NFL comes back, if we are at a point where fans can't come into the stands, if you play fake crowd noise, I am I kind of want to mute it. Because for me, what we saw was something special. We saw reactions and we saw moments, and there are moments that are going to last for a very long time. Brady talking about the Eagles, the Chuck up and back and all mm-hmm. that stuff. This is a unique time 
we will never probably experience this again. It, it, I would like, it, we might, I mean, with the way that our infrastructure is, but we might not see this for a long time. Why not lean in to this experience? And, 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 and when we look back at it, go, man, wow, listen to that. That was only those few games. And, and what a cool experience. If you're worried about um, competitive disadvantages, there was a UFC fight where one of the fighters said that he heard the analyst talking, oh, he needs to use his jab more and literally change mid-fight because he heard the analyst. That's amazing. Greg Hardy, the former football player. Oh, yeah, I did read about this. Yeah, yeah. Fighter. So if during an NBA game, Hubie Brown, which I don't think Hubie Brown will be at the games. I don't know if anyone will be at the game, but definitely not Hubie. But if, if, if there is a competitive advantage or the coaches can hear each other, right. well, then they're going to adjust on the fly. But I, I, for me, I want it chronicled authentically mm-hmm. because we are in a unique time and I don't want to wash over that with, with old sound. Yeah. The and audio guy can take the day off. How many times do we end up watching some, you know, old game that just happens to be on television and it's specific to that era and you see the fans in the crowd wearing like 1993 t-shirts and you see people with 1986 haircuts in a certain game. And it's like, you're, it's a time capsule. These broadcasts are a time capsule. So anytime you're watching the 2020 playoffs and people are going to make documentaries about this time and people are going to yes. be talking about this time forever and ever and ever. I want those games to indicate that there was some crazy stuff happening on planet Earth at the time. And we were in an unprecedented sports broadcasting era in, a, in addition to an unprecedented era in a variety of other ways. Um, and I, I like the, what, what you're saying about how it would be really cool uh, to just hear the the trash talk. What if, you know, what if these players, they start censoring themselves just a little bit because they think the microphones start, uh, you know, if, if they're a little bit more on oh, guard. The NBA has been doing that forever. I mean, when you see LeBron, he doesn't talk unless his hand's in front of his face because they've been dealing with lip readers on social media forever. So I don't think you can't mic up an NBA player. Mm-hmm. You're impacting the way that he plays basketball. The question will be, and and remember, the Sam Darnold situation with IC Ghost tightened up a lot of national broadcasts because there are certain people that have to approve that. So that will happen. But the natural moments yeah. when Carmelo Anthony goes and grabs a rebound or and goes, ah, get the fuck out of here. Like he would he yells because the microphone's right there. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that's going to be magnified even more. And so I think I think players, especially in the NBA, have gotten so keen to where the cameras. I'm not going to communicate so you can't see me, but it's it's the groans. It's it's Steve Kerr yelling at the ref that we're going to get to hear everything, and that's that's the stuff where they might censor themselves a little bit. But those moments are I know they're going to have to police themselves. But though that's special stuff. Did you see Not, the Kyle Shanahan, the Kyle Shanahan clip where he tells the ref, he's like, uh, George Kittle's about to get held right on this play. Check this out. And then it gets held five seconds later. That that's like one of my favorite like if clips. We hear that live. Yeah. Those are always the best. You know, when when that's the reason that we get obsessed with hard knocks, because seeing two guys playing, but then seeing two guys playing and then hearing John Gruden, like it it audio is everything. Mm-hmm. You know? It's you can't do a video podcast with no sound, but you can do an audio podcast with no video. So it's what mm-hmm. they're saying is is the heart and the meaning, and I hope it could be great. We talked about what it's going to be like when we go back to normal with Malik Jackson on the Philadelphia Eagles. He's out there in California. We did this interview while he was in his car, uh, 
and it's a fun one. So here is our conversation with Malik Jackson. Enjoy, guys. I am now joined by an absolute monster on the D-line. He was dominant with Denver. He was jumping around in Jacksonville, and now he is flying high in Philadelphia. Malik motherfucking Jackson. How are you, dude? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me, man. It's always fun to be on your guys' we show. We are live in Malik Jackson's car. Uh, are we going anywhere? Where are we going right now? Get toilet paper? We're going to go. <laughs> We're going to Proactive in Westlake, California, or Thousand Oaks, California, to go do some treatment on the uh, Liz Frank. And then I got to go do workouts and um, come back and do another workout a little later. So it's going to get how, right. Um, how ready are you for people to stop asking how your injury feels? Um, I'm, I'm very much so ready. But, but for me, it's one of those things like, you know, I didn't get to do anything. So it's like one of those things they're asking, like, who are you and are you ready to come back and where are you? So... I see like three questions in that question, but it's, I'm just ready just to show what I have. You know, I've been working really hard just to show people, you know, who I am, what I have, and uh, just go out there and be durable and stay healthy. You know, that's, that's what I want to do. That's Listen, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. And when they signed you, it became this conversation of, wow, this is going to be the best guy that Fletcher Cox has ever had next to him. And that duo is going to be dynamic, the speed, the power, all of that. And I'm curious. Before the injury happened, what was what were you feeling about that that duo? Uh, what was last season going to be like before the injury? I mean, in my mind, it was going to be great. You know, I've been able to play with other other people like Calais Campbell before I came to the Eagles, but to be able to play with Fletcher Cox, with Fletcher Cox, is just something I've always wanted to do. Just because same draft class, been watching him his whole career, seeing what he's done, just the. Uh, perennial pro bowler, Hall of Famer, you know, so to be able to come here and be like, okay, now I get to stand next to him and show what I have against the truly the best, best of our generation. Uh, I was so excited, you know, just to establish myself and show people, you know, I, I belong here, you know, and I just thought we were just going to be great because I was coming in, I understood the hierarchy, I was coming into his team and I was ready just to come in, help and do what I had to do to open things up for him and uh, in turn, everyone open things up for me. So I was excited. I, I believe it was going to be great, but, um, you know, things happen in this game and you got to roll with the punches and I, and I think I've learned a lot about myself going through this um, injury and uh, I'm ready to come back and, and, and just prove things. Learned so, about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I, le I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned to like art. You know, I was able to go to Art Basel for a shutdown. Um, just be able to spend time with more of my daughter, you know, be more of a dad, uh, more present. Um, that was huge for me. Um, and just get back to the things of, you know, calling family because you know how it goes. Oh, you start yeah. working a lot. You just kind of, you miss things. So being able to just kind of step up and be there for things that I normally would miss and I reevaluate who I want to be and how long I want to keep playing. Uh, you know, it, it, it did a lot. For I, can, me, so. I mean, look, you get to be there in the situation where you are grinding every day to get back to where you were. And then at the same time, you get to yeah. work on who you are. But you're also watching a team yeah. play that this is like your first season. So you're just kind of watching it unfold right in front of you. And I'm curious, what did you learn about that locker room watching yeah. it from that angle? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely redshirted it last year, so I, I was able to sit back and watch a lot. Um, the one thing I learned, I, I, I truly believe Coach, Coach, where he put the guys in position of being in the room, being able to just sit there and see how he handled the team was uh, very impressive in, in, in my eyes. So just to see him work 
And uh, just to see the guys grind, because, you know, it's one of those you know, guys are going to get hurt, but um, you just trying to get hurt. You know what I mean? And a lot of ones you're, got you're hurt. Hold, you're break, so you're think... breaking up a little bit. Let me just, I'm going to uh, restate oh. it. But I'll, I guess you were talking about, you were very impressed with Doug Peterson. Um, yeah. Th that's kind of what, I mean, you need to see, like you got to watch how the coach treats the team and you can learn mm -hmm. a lot about a man like that. So wait, what did you learn? I just learned how, how he's able to uh, win, how he treated players. Um, like you said, being able just to sit back and not be a part of what he was saying and who he was talking to uh, and see how he was talking to guys and how guys responded was very impressive. I, I, and the way he coached, to be honest with you, was, uh, you know, putting guys in position and really winning and being that, that offensive coordinator. Uh, I was I was impressed, man. And, and uh, it's rare you see coaches like that. So to be able to step back and be away from it and see how he treated players and how the players responded to him, uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was very what impressive. What is it like when you're on a team – and you're on a practice squad wide receiver, a practice squad running back. You're on like your seventh corner, and they're still fighting. What what does that what does that do for you guys? I mean, it's what it's supposed to be. See, like you say, as a player, when you're not hurt, the train stops for nobody, man. If you get, if something happens to the person in front of you, you got to be able to step up until you're the person that get hurt. Mm. You're kind of like sensitive about it, but you got to understand it. It is what it is. The next person has to be ready, and no matter if you come off the street. I'm going to expect you to be to play like you've been playing for 12 weeks, you know? So um, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's the name of the game. You know, you, I, as far as injuries go, you don't think about it. It's just you, you dwell on it for like a day. You, you, you know, you feel sorry for the guy, but then you have to move on. And for the guy that's injured, you have to understand that, you know, you can't be selfish trying to have people see you or be around and have things about you because, you know, you're excluded from the equation if you're on IR. So you just got to humble yourself. So one thing I've noticed, it's an annoying thing the media does where they go, what was it like in your last team? And they're really trying to get you to talk shit, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. need, because I already know what the issues, what issues were in Jacksonville, all that crap. Mine is more Denver, Jacksonville, Philly. Now that you're a vet and you okay. know how this works, can you kind of break down what those cultures were like so we can understand how it's not just uniform in the NFL? Okay, um, culture. I was able to come in to Denver with Coach John Fox, um, great guy. I was able, so I go up to him one day and I say, Coach, how do you see us as as players? He's like, I see you guys as my uh, my um, younger brothers. And I was like, okay, because because you know the way he talked to us, it, was, it felt like a relationship like that, you know. So he felt like he was older brother. Um, so that was cool. Um, Jacksonville, you got there, you felt like you. <laughs> You know, you were the redheaded stepchild, so to speak. You know, you couldn't do anything right. You had to kind of do this, do that, do this, you know. Um, very military style. Not saying this wrong, but just very military style. Um, the Eagles, very fun, very chill, very relaxed. Um, I think it's a little bit of everything in there, though. You know, some of those things, we have an older team, and, I, and the Eagles are a very established program. And uh, so when you, when you come into here, you understand who they are, how far they came, the trophies they've held up, and uh, what they expect. So I think the Eagles embody... The, the disciplinary, but they also have a lot of fun and they let the players kind of manage the team and, and, and push the team in the way it wants to go. And, and, you know, Doug just nudges things where, you know, nip things in the butt. But, um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's how it goes. Militaristic yeah. sounds – it's like – I think what all fans think the NFL is going to be like, but you just begin to realize there's like a two or three spots in the NFL where it's like that and that's really it. It's like New England when Coughlin yeah. was in Jacksonville – and I'm trying to think, like, mm -hmm. I don't think Ron Rivera's too much, but you just realize it's a little bit more rare. And I, and I say that, and I say that saying I'm an older guy, and I've been, 
you know, I guess I should, I'm not saying for, for lack of better terms, like not leeway, but just under, understand, like, I know what I'm doing, right? So to say we have to have five minutes before starting time, you know, I get it. That's the rules. But I think some of the other things were just a little bit, you know, aggressive for, for having older guys and wanting your older guys to push the team in the way it wants to go, but also having so much constraint on what you want. It's kind of hard for us to, to move and put things in the way you want it. And so that, that was just the way I interpreted it. Um, where is your ring right now? It's in Philadelphia in my closet. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Is it? Do you ever yeah. use it? Like, is it? Does any of your family and your kids put it on, or do you ever use it? Like, look at it purposefully. I'm. Just, it's interesting to have an object like that. No, because I I feel like I don't want to. Like, it's nice to have you this nostalgic and like live in the past and everything's positive. But I'm here now. You know, I just try to. It's like you think about it. Um, you know, you 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 say I am supposed. Like, I have a tattoo on my thigh. I get to see it a lot. You know, but. Uh, it, it, it's like, it is what it is. I think when I retire, I'll be more like, okay, wow, I, I did it. You know, I'll truly be able to embrace what I did. Now it's just like, all right, get another one. Like, it's been three years now, Leak. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, it's just living in the moment, you know, just living the moment. But I, I do think about it and I, and I do pull it out sometimes, you know, think about the stories and try to remember. It's hard to remember that year because that year went so fast and then I went to free agency. So a lot of things happened that year. So it's not just kind of remember things like, Remember things that we did oh, and played and said. I think what, one of my favorite things is when a team comes together and it's burned so bright for that <clears> year. <throat> and even if it breaks up, like we're watching the last dance and like they win their sixth title mm -hmm. and then it's like Robin, Pippen, Kerr, all gone. It's nuts. But yeah. with you guys, yeah. I look at your pass rushers, you, Von Miller, Shaquille Barrett, Derek Wolf. Who <laughs> am I missing? Am I missing? Yeah. I feel like I'm missing... You got to put D-Ware in there. He'll oh, DeMarcus Ware. He was there, too. Like, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, he was there, too. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. It's, it's one of those things. And and watching that story last night when Mike was like, we could have got him back for a seventh. And if, and I was Scotty in that position. I was like, I'm not coming back for a one-year deal if I just played that weak contract. You know what I mean? So I think being able to sit there and being able to watch that and be like, it's cool because I was kind of like that. Our team was like that. We went to two Super Bowls in four years. You know, we really had had a, had a good thing going. but. uh you know, it's just, it's just, you can't prolong things like that. I think like it's, it's, it's the people come together and when it works, it works. And, uh, you know, if you try trying to hold it on too much tighter, then it, it kind of falls apart to itself. You know But also like in have, the NFL, all, let's be real. Like you guys need to get paid and the, the salaries that you and Shaquille yeah. Barrett were getting, it was like nuts. <laughs> yeah. I made 2.1 my first four years. So, wow. you know, to say I'm staying for a seventh on a one year deal would not, or for a fifth year there, like, it didn't translate, you know what I'm saying? So I think we, it's one of those things you have to, you come together, the GM did a great job bringing those guys together. Um, and the players did a great job of, of putting themselves in those positions and coached a good job of molding them and pushing them where they need to go. So, you know, it's rare when things like that happen because I think that's why everybody's so awed by the Patriots and what they got going on and the Bulls, you know, we're still watching things that happened 30 years ago, you know? So it's, it's cool with things, but it, it is hard. And Miami, sorry, Miami Dolphins, yeah. they did it. Well yeah. When when you saw Shaquille have the year he did this year, how much pride did that yeah. fill you with? I was I was so happy for him because man, you see, I saw him come from the bottom, like coming from Colorado State, uh, just 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 wanted to just get on the field, you know, sit behind Von, learning, very humble guy, just very family oriented man. It was when I saw him getting his twelve sex, I was like, who's this guy in Tampa Bay? And they were like Shaquille, I'm like who's Shaquille? And they said Bear. I said no <laughs> way, bro. So I was I was I was excited for him, man. I was just. Happy it's all come together. Um, did you call? Did you hype him up? Tracks. 
Nah, 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 nah. I just, you know, from the sideline, hyping them up, you know, just, just send them good prayers and good vibes, you know. So, and when we see them, uh, you know, I, I say what's up, but uh, nah. Man, I mean, I mean, those, those meeting rooms must have been crazy. Von, Demarcus, and you got like, when it's clicking like that, you guys could be like, how, who's getting how many sacks this Sunday? Yeah, that, that's that's how it was, you know. But we were a very humble group. I mean, I think the most fortunate one was Vaughn. You know, he had the money and the uh, yeah. success. So everybody else was just like, we're just trying to just get there. You know what I mean? But um, no, I think it's one of those things. Everybody just sat there, listened. You know, we had a great time. Uh, but when it was time to go into work, we Vaughn and Dware held it down, and everybody else followed. And uh, that's the thing. That's how we had success. So. Eagles go out and they sign Javon Hargrave. And now I'm looking at your D line and I'm looking at a third down where you can play end or tackle. Uh, you have Fletcher out there, Javon in there. You could, if they move you to end with Brandon on the other side, I mean, those that's four just 18 wheelers coming at the quarterback. What, what was your reaction to that side? I mean, I was happy for him. You know, it's one of those things that when you get injured, it goes two ways. Like, you can sit here and be like, man, what the hell, man? They signed a new guy. I'm fine. I don't need this. You know, don't you bled so me. You know, but then it's another thing. Like, you have to understand what their job is. And it's to bring somebody else in here to if I do get hurt again or something does happen, you know, or if I'm not where I was, you know. So I understand what it was and I understand what it is. I'm thinking of going there and compete wherever they um, want me to be, you know, hopefully the three or whether it be the end, it'll, it'll be there. But at, at the end of the day, I understand the dynamics. You know, I consider myself mercenary for hire, so to speak. You know, you pay me, you put me where you want, and I'll go out there and be as successful as I can. See, so, I um, see the opposite. But, um, yeah. That that annoyed me during yeah. free agency. They signed the people go, what's the deal with Malik? And I go, not sure if you guys have looked at his contract, but they invested a lot into this guy. And I know from your yeah. time in Denver, you can play all over the place. And, yeah. and I, I think for me, I thought the Eagles, when they went to the Super Bowl, their strength was their D-line. And if you look at all yeah. the bet, your guys, uh, when the Seahawks were clicking, really good teams stop the quarterback first, especially when you're playing yeah. Dak Prescott and you got all this mobility now with Saquon and Daniel Jones in division. I didn't look at it as replacing Malik. I looked at it as, wow, Malik Fletcher and Javon on the field together. You can stop the run and attack the quarterback and you don't need to substitute. Yeah, no, you know. That's what's up, and that's that's how I see it, and, I, and that's what um what was communicated to me. You know, when we got Hargraves, um, I got a call from Howie. He was just like, "Yo, we just you know, the 49ers want we got the Super Bowl with their D line, and that's what we want to do." And so I was like, "You know what?" I and I, my thought process was like, "You know what? Who am I to tell you what to do?" So I'm gonna go out here and compete my hardest, and uh, it's, it's his job to do it. Like I said, it's put people around and make this D line better. It's my job to put myself in position to be where I feel like I need to be in starting. So. I'm ready to go. It's competing. It's the job. You, you know? What do you think about being an end? Do you like it? Is it how different is it between a tackle? I always hear uh, offensive tackles talk about ref right versus left. What about DN versus yeah. DT? No, it is it is different. Um, D tackle, you're engaged right away. You know, split second right off the ball, you, you're engaged. DN, you got a good two, three steps sometimes before you get engaged with the guy, you know. So um, I don't mind doing it, you know. Um, it's one of those things that I've done it before in Denver. Um, so when I was a rookie, we played the three technique, the four technique, and the five technique. So I, I understand I have a basis for it. And like I said, um, I'm ready to just come just compete, you know. Now, third down, hopefully I'm, I'm inside, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, like I, I can't tell a coach where I don't want to play, you know. But 
if I had a choice, I'd be inside. I but, get it. You know. But I, I man, yeah. I'm excited for you guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure when you came to the city, everybody warned you about crazy Philly fans. What are your thoughts yeah. on when you've been here for a year? The first day I got there, I was riding a taxi to go to my house and uh, to an apartment. I actually go see what I was going somewhere, and and the guys are talking on the radio about how uh, the Seventy Sixers lost the first basketball game, playoff basketball game. I think they lost or they won. It was the first game, uh, and uh, they were booing them. And I was like, "That's amazing that the fans got to their first playoff game in years and they're booing the team in the second quarter." So that was my first like on radio experience, and I was just like, "Wow!" And then I get to the game and we're getting booed in the second quarter as well. So. It's one of those things, you know, it's very passionate. I think my words should be, you know, after describing all that, it's just passionate. Um, and like I told you earlier, like, it's just the history that comes along with this team and, and what they expect. You know what I'm saying? It's the, the fans expect it and they, they tell you about it. You know, they give you love throughout the offseason. They, they, they show you love and they expect for you to reciprocate the love and the wins during the season. So it's, uh, it's, give, and, it's just give and give. You know? So you mentioned before when you're, when you're hurt, it's easy to kind of be, quote, forgotten about, right? Well, now with all of this issues with like cross contamination and COVID nineteen, how are how in, in your mind how is it and for your experience NFL players rehabbing with all of this going on has it made it difficult? Yeah, see, I mean, it's for me. Um, so there was a guy, there was a guy for the um, LA LAFC soccer team, right? Uh, he got injured the first game. Um, so I got injured my first game, right? I got a whole year to treatment. Right. Now I'm still walking. I'm still walking and shit. You know, I can do things at home if I really have to. He can't, you know, so I'll, it's the, the, like he has to go in. And so I feel bad for him. So for me to answer your question, like I was good. So this COVID-19, it just, it made me frustrated because my routine was knocked off. You know what I mean? That, that's the only thing it really did for me. I didn't have to go anywhere um, if I didn't have to. But for the guys that like got injured, injured, man, I, <laughs> I couldn't imagine being them. I'd be frustrated because you can't go places. You know, you have to get right because this is your job, you know. So, um, for me, it was pretty light with this COVID-19, but I'm sure for other players that got injured closer when everything shut down. It could suck. Do you think that this could cause a lot of players to really step up the at-home investment in terms of, like, things at your house, whether it's workout or rehab, and just go, I'm going to make my house, like, kind of do LeBron, but everybody does it? Yeah, yeah. So, I – um. The NFL and, and on our team, the Philadelphia Eagles did a good job of uh, giving us fifteen hundred bucks to go buy equipment mm. for our houses, and um, so I took the advantage and, and brought a machine um, for my house. And so that that's that's what the league is doing. That's what the Eagles did, and uh, we I commend them for that for getting guys right. You know, because um, it's one of those things that you can say, you know, go to work. You know, I want you to work now, and then you don't give me anything. It's like, well, what am I supposed to right. do? But now they're giving you the work. So if you come back out of shape or not strong. You know, it's on you. We're giving you the tools. So I think they did a good job of keeping people accountable in that situation. One thing I've always appreciated about you is you're a thinker and your mind goes all over the place. You're creative, and I appreciate that. I am curious how you are handling staring at a Zoom for hours at a time because, to me, I feel like you'd be thinking of a children's book you want to write. <laughs> no, for me, it's it's – it's nice because I, I can be in the moment. So, you know, I sit on my balcony. I live in L.A., so I can sit on the balcony. And uh, I look at the Hollywood Hills, so I'm like, okay, cool. I can sit on the balcony. Here's my, here's my, you know, where I'm at. But for me, it's all about, since I have a child that lives in L.A., being able to disconnect from there and be able to still be in the moment here. Because, I mean, all the, when we're, when that, if I was in Philly now, we'd be, what, there for four hours, and then I'd be sitting at home all day. So at least now 
I can be on the Zoom for 30 minutes. You know, it's everything's compact and size. Let's get in, let's right. get out. You know, I'm still able to talk to the coaches for about an hour. You know, we get in, we get out. And I'm, and I'm doing what I want to do. I feel good mentally, physically, you know, because I'm being with my daughter. So this has been great. For That's me. amazing. You're so, right, yeah. because we would be in like weird mini camp time right now. Exactly. So do you think, because I heard uh, GMs and stuff saying this about the draft, that they enjoy being around their kids more, that the hard and fast mm -hmm. NFL of we celebrate sleeping at the office and never seeing our family. Is there a chance that mm -hmm. this could give people perspective? Or do you think once we get back in the facilities, we're going to forget about this and get back to how it was? No, I truly feel like, um, but first, like, I, I, I tell the coaches all the time, you know, they, they're like, Malik, you want to coach? I say, hell no, nah, bro. Like, your hours are crazy. You can't crazy. even be a family person, you know? And I think this kind of has shown made everybody, like, put the brakes on and say, hey, you know, this, is, this isn't bad. I can do things from here and still do this. I, I can, you know, sac sacrifice more time at home or get more time at home like this is okay you know because like you said it's 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 grind 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 we grind every day every day every day we we sacrifice this and we grind here you know it's like a it's almost like you know if you sacrificed enough then you win the super bowl but i, I think we kind of got a, got a little too intense on the things we're sacrificing so hopefully we do nfl is more lenient on stepping back with the times we have to be there and all together and just you know be time more family oriented and plus i think it gives guys better mental mental uh Capabilities and not everybody, you know, out here getting in trouble now after I say hey, that. Hey, I think that this is a good time. That's, I was, that's not. Yeah, no, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was gonna say, like, yeah. you know, get your chickens, get your mentals. Like, this has, exactly. this has been a, exactly. I think it's been a time where it's threatened a lot of people's chickens, uh, which can threaten mm -hmm. your mentals. But if you can take this time to get your mentals, then I think it'll help you with your chickens later. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. It all correlates. It all, it all, it's all the I same. see you pulled up. Um, before we kind of let you go, is there anything that you're mm -hmm. reading or watching right now that you really recommend that has, that has you thinking interesting thoughts? Uh, I really would recommend a uh, civilized to death. Uh, it's a book. Um, I forgot the uh, author's name, but he also wrote sex at dawn, uh, which I have to read that next, but civilized to death. It just talks about where we are in society. Um, and uh, it's it's a really good book. I just really recommend people to uh, is it civilized you know, pick it up. It's death? about like or civilized. Yeah, civilized to death. It's civilized the to death. The price of and, progress. Uh, it talks about like yes, and it talks about like um, from where we were, like forgers. For example, he talks about you know um, I think Darwin goes um, to a uh, Papua New Guinea or somewhere, and he brings people back to London, and he's like the the, the uh, and they're like wow. Um, this is crazy. And they're like, why are people sleeping on the floor and there's rich people out here doing this? And, like, and they say, um, the one thing that those people took back from seeing the civil civilization for three days was how to put feathers on the end of their arrows to make them fly straighter. Mm. So it just kind of talks about like where we started and where we are and is it truly, you know, where we want to be and good for our health as a, as a people. So, My recommendation yeah, for recommend. you is uh, The okay. Tiger by John Valiant. It is about okay. apparently... Uh, in very deep, deep Russia, it used to be like a paradise with like bugs this big and the biggest tigers that ever existed. And it is the story about a tiger that got hurt and began hunting humans because he couldn't, he didn't have enough like fangs to like go after big animals. And it began to yeah. study the humans. And it's the first person, like, like the second person recount of this group of five Russians out there with just guns 
hunting a murderous tiger. It is fucking wild. It is wild. Okay, cool. The tiger. Yes. Um, okay, good. One thing we did have. Oh, you know what? That's it. Malik, you're the man. I appreciate you. Stay on for a second. Uh, have an awesome season, man. And continued health and success, bro. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for the platform, man. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks again to Malik Jackson uh, for making it happen. I got some news and notes uh, for the 33% out there. Number one, uh, I'm taking next week off. Uh, I need a mental break. I need to shut it down. Um, and so there will be no pods next week. So I love you guys. Uh, and if you want to communicate with me, you can always hit me up at Adam Lefko, DM me if you have any football questions or whatever. But we're taking a break. The other thing, which is cooler news, and this might be coming out next week to give you some of that goodness. If you guys saw what we did on Twitch, where it was the all-time greatest Madden teams. The GOAT Sim. Yeah, the GOAT Sim. What if instead of the best Patriots of all time, if it was all Tom Brady's or all Pat Mahomes or all Lamar Jackson's? We're calling it the Game of Clones. So it went from Game of Thrones to Game of Zones to Game of Clones. And next week, uh, the smart people behind BR Gridiron somehow created a 53-man roster of Patrick Mahomes's and a 53-man roster of Lamar Jackson's, and they range in sizes and skill sets. And we thought, what would happen if, you know, 22 Mahomes's took on 22 Lamar Jackson's? And so stay on the lookout, the BR Gridiron accounts. I'm going to be doing play-by-play. It will be funny. Uh, but you have seen it. I have not seen it yet, Ingber. What is it like to watch Mahomes's play the Jacksons? I think my favorite part is the shots of like the huddles and the sidelines where they're all just, they have the same face and they're all kind of making like a Patrick Mahomes face and you can see it. And then uh, I think at one point, Patrick Mahomes throws a touchdown to Patrick Mahomes, who does a Travis Kelsey dance, which I really liked. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I could totally see if Mahomes was a wide receiver, he would totally do a Kelsey Were dance as like a tribute to his lineman, like noticeably bigger than the other. Were they like big Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, they're big Patrick Mahomes, but they still kind of have the physicality. They don't look like, you know, they don't look like David Bakhtiari. They look yeah, like Patrick gotcha. Mahomes that kind of like beefed up for a week or two. So what we want from the 33% is what are the other matchups that you guys would like to see? We're doing 53 Mahomeses against 53 Lamar Jacksons. What are the other battles? Is it 53 Aaron Donalds taking on 53 Aaron Rodgers? The Aaron Bowl. Is it 53 uh, Austin Ecklers taking on 53 Darren Sproles? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You can go anywhere with this, but we want you guys to reach out it is the game of clones, teams made of one player. What are the matchups that you'd like to see? Is it 53 Travis Kelsey's taking on 53 George Kittles for the mm. ultimate battle of the best tight end in the NFL? And is let me throw in there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. You should you should use hashtag game of clones if you're going to be talking about this or like giving us some suggestions so we can track it all. And we might not just be limited to 1v1. Like for example, someone had brought up the Bosa brothers against the Watt brothers. Ooh, right? Would that would like that be that. interesting? I would like that. TJ and JJ. So we're we're we yeah. have the capability to make these simulations. So if you have a fun idea, like hit us up, even if it's a little outside the box or a little wonky. We're gonna be rolling these out for the next few weeks. Should be a lot of fun. Hashtag game of clones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who's winning 53 Odell's versus 53 Jalen Ramsey's, but I would want to see it because that would be <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, so hit us up. Again, no pods next week. I apologize. I got a chance to do a bunch of 
uh, pods of listeners uh, this week, which was a lot of fun to kind of mix it up. And so I'm going to post a bunch of that to my social. I'm going to try and do more. I just responded to all the ones that have been in my email inbox for like the last eight months. So thank you to you guys that did that. that they were a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Ingber. Uh, always good to see you and talk to you. And we'll be back. Anything else? Oh, um, the L-E-F-K-O-E man for David Ingber. My wife just told me the other day, you're not supposed to use a brush on your hair when you first get out of the shower. You're supposed to use a comb. I'm in my mid-30s, and I never knew that. One of the great reasons to be married. You learn things. And I use a towel and my hands. So I need a, I have a lot more learning to do. Love you guys. Thank you. Holla, holla, holla. We'll talk to you later.